Welcome to the Swim Swim Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, two of my very esteemed colleagues, Swim Swam co-founders, Braden Keith, The Machine, our editor-in-chief, and Mel Stewart, gold medal Mel. We're here to talk today about the 2021 Olympic trials. As we've reported, the meet has been split into two meets, wave one and wave two. Uh, If you don't know the specifics, basically uh, the top 41 athletes in every event get the invite for wave two. That's the fast meet. What? That's wrong. What? Top 41. You just just got corrected by the machine. (laughs) The the cuts are currently set based on the 41st qualifier. So there's a cut time that's set today and that time is locked in. And anybody who goes faster than that time, even if it's 60, 70, 80 people go to wave two. I totally said, I'm sorry. That that's the way it was in my mind, but it, it came out wrong. So, and then basically everyone, below that anyone with a time below that cut and the old trials cut gets to go to wave one meet the top two qualifiers from wave one the top two in each event from wave one uh get get to go to wave two and then the olympic team will be selected in in typical trials fashion at the wave two meet so the question is will this be an effective way to choose the olympic team while lowering risk of covid spread um, do, do you guys want to start with general thoughts on that? You think it'll be effective? I, I, uh, you know, I think it's going to be an effective way to choose the best Olympic team. We all know the reality of the Olympic trials is that there's a certain percentage of the swimmers who have a legitimate shot at making this year's Olympic team. And the rest of it is all about rewarding swimmers who have worked hard or, setting up swimmers for the future who might make the team in four years or eight years and giving them that experience um, and then kind of building, building some excitement for the sport within the base. Um, So there's a lot of purposes for, for the Olympic trials. The primary purpose always has to remain choosing the best Olympic team we can. And I don't think this plan undercuts that goal in any way. So I think in terms of, a number one goal, choosing the Olympic team. It, it, they haven't done anything that I think will impact that too much. The Olympic trials for USA swimming is their tent pole event of the quad. And, and it's the, the one thing that if you ask anybody, why do we have these huge Olympic trials? Cause back when I was going to Olympic trials, they were tiny meets. They were sleepy. The prelims were, were, were almost like you were expecting this pressure and an intense atmosphere. And it felt at times like a, like a, like a, like a, like a dual meet. It was just so small. That was 88, 92. It's, it's become this, this Goliath of an event. It's just massive people. And it feels, I don't want to say it feels like a zoo, but it feels a little bit like a zoo. But here's the thing. This is the greatest piece of marketing for USA Swimming. And for obvious reasons, uh, when they have, what was it, 1,800 kids, uh, 1,800 swimmers in the last one, that's 1,800 reports in every small town across the country about that kid who's going to U.S. Olympic swimming trials. And um, 
I've always wondered, like, why did they have this event? And, I, and, and it's in behind the scenes, everyone's like, that's why we can't pay for that kind of promotion of our sport. Do you ever think about that, Braden? Well, I, I see. I, I have thought that the last two trials were too big. So I, I get what you're saying. Um, I have, I thought that 1800, 2000 was too big. The prelim sessions are too long and can suck some of the air out of the room because when you're there for trials with the way it's scheduled, you're there for trials. You know, it's, it's, it, you're not going out in the middle of the day in the middle of the day. You're, you're, even the, the fans are taking a nap and trying to get ready for the, for the evening session. Um, and so I, you know, I thought that their original plan of cutting back was good. Um, but it, as Mel said, there is still a lot of value, a lot of commercial value, a lot of developmental value to keeping it at a certain size. You know, um, Jared Anderson, our senior reporter, brought up a very good point that a lot of the wave one swimmers, the swimmers who are going to now be at the wave one meet might only be qualified in one or two events versus the wave two swimmers are going to be in three, four, five, six events. And so while the number of swimmers looks like it's probably going to break about 50-50 between the two meets, the number of splashes in wave two will still be significantly more. It's interesting. Yeah. So there, there's, there's one more point in terms of the commercial side. And I, and I, and I just said, if you guys want some behind the scenes at swim, so I'm, I'm always asking Braden, can I do this? And he says, no, um, because my, my motivation is re revenue. But there, so I'm always focused on the revenue side. The um, the other aspect that we got to think about is just ticket sales. It's filling the stands. We fill those when you have that that high participation. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa are buying tickets to trials, and they really get a lot of mileage out of it. They, being USA Swimming, the governing body, get a lot of mileage out of selling out those tickets. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to what the stands are going to be like in Wave. I'm wondering if wave one is going to be the sellout and wave two, maybe not. Well, it, it feels to me though, that 2020 became the year, you know, 2016, it was essentially sold out, but 2020 and looking for hotel rooms and this, that, and the other 2020 was going to be the year where the demand was going to be 35,000 and the, the venue is 17,000. And so this, it, this might be the year where they can get away with it and they can still fill their 60% quota, whatever. You know, so there's, a, there's a big question about whether that many fans will be comfortable going, um, but the NCAA volleyball championships in the same venue are sold out and they're having to figure out how to cut, cut seats. So there seems to still be an appetite for tickets in spite of the pandemic and maybe by June that that appetite will outweigh outweigh the loss of some of those parent grandparent teammate sort of tickets. So Coleman, I have one more thought, and you can bring it right back to the topic because I'm gonna go off topic because I always do. The uh, we 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 have a new CEO, Tim Henshey, and and I can tell you that, and I'm and Braden may have reported on it, but it's it's it, it appears that we're going to have into the venue in 2024 and it appears that we're going to have um, more seats and based on what Braden's saying it's it's based entirely on demand we've outgrown Omaha well and and the other part of the ticket sales is that the tickets are sold uh USA swimming you know they want to 
they kind of are dancing around it a little bit, but it feels to me as though there was a window to get your refund and that window will not be reopening as a result of the wave one, wave two meet. So some, some people may have to find ways to get rid of tickets that they thought they wanted and now don't want. So do, do we know is, is if you have an Olympic trials ticket today, is that good for wave one and wave two meets? And you know, if so, do we know how they're going to be limiting seats yet? I, I think it's unlikely. We don't know for sure. This is one of the details that USA Swimming says they're still ironing out. Um, I, I think my, my read is that they are going to try to break even on wave two tickets and then sell wave one tickets, I would assume at a lower price um, and, and, try to make some money that way. Um, I have a hard time. Well, I have a hard time believing a lot of people are going to stay for two weeks worth of meets anyway, but I think that they will probably sell separate tickets. Makes sense. Uh, I mean, so that's, I mean, that's just one of the things that's kind of like, all right, how's this going to work? What's it going to look like? The one thing, one, one point that's got brought up to me that I statistically it's, it's like, yeah, this could happen, but it's not going to, but again, um, that magic number 41, they, they made wave two cuts at the 41st, uh, seated athlete in each event, because, um, that is the lowest seated athlete in the last five Olympic trials. So since 2000 to make an Olympic trial final. That's not making the Olympic team. That is just to make a top eight at the Olympic trials. Um, that was Morgan Scroggy. Stay tuned for her podcast later. But do, I mean, do you think, do you think it's fair? Do you think this format is fair for someone who could have, you know, a, a breakout swim at wave one and go super fast and then have to turn around and essentially do a double taper to try to make the Olympic team? I hate the idea of fair. I, I think, I think a lot of people spend a lot of time focused on fairness, and it's. I think I think it's sometimes used as a cover for, for other emotions that people are feeling. The you know, and they describe it as a lack of fairness. Um, I, I think the odds of what you described happening are low enough that the. You know, there's there's a certain safety element to what they're doing. There's a certain logistics element to what they're doing. If you have to test, uh, you know, 1,400 people in and out of the venue every day, um, that means an hour and a half less rest for your Olympians, et cetera, et cetera. I think the risk of what you've described happening is a lower risk than the potential adverse risk to the the swimmers we do expect to go to the Olympic Games and medal at the Olympic Games. Um, so, you know, I, I have a finance degree. So in my world, everything is, is weighing risks against each other and which is more likely to happen. And to me, what you've described, I mean, when you look at the wave two cuts, the wave two cut is still getting lapped by Katie Ledecky in the mile. So if, if you're not one or two at wave one with either a real short taper or no taper, it's not happening. It's probably not going to happen anyway. Um, so I, you know, I, there are other reasons that I don't like this, but to me, I don't think that there's any real chance of something like that happening. And you detail this in your report, which you do a fantastic job. 
And it's the, I guess it's, is that the original report? Yeah. January 26th, original report, uh, listing out the athletes who, you know, Gunnar Bentz, 30th, uh, Shannon Draves, Kate Dwelly, you know, 40th, 40th, 38th, Aaron Phoenix. Uh, it, I just, I, I just had to giggle when I saw Gary Hall Jr. Uh, see the 28th. Well, and give <laughs> it, give us the context on Gary Hall Jr. Cause he was a different kind of Olympian. Well, no, it, well, you know, the, what's funny is I talked to Gary Hall Sr. and he talked to me about the 100 free in this specific event where he was 28th. And Gary was, you know, he's, he is a diabetic and they didn't think he could do the 100 free. And then his training was going well. They were only focused on the 50. And at the last minute, they said, hey, let's put him in the 100 because maybe he could make the relay. And he's, his health seems like it's in check. So this was a, this was sort of a Hail Mary maybe Gary Hall Jr. gets on a relay or maybe, maybe he just uses it as a warm up, really for the 50. That's why he was seated 28. And Gary is notorious for Gary really cared about the Olympics and Gary didn't necessarily care about what happened in between the Olympics. So him having a, him just doing enough to get into the meet is, is unsurprising historically. Yes. This is in fully what we'd expect from a Gary Hall Jr. And the reason why we love him so much, he just, he surprises. I mean, I think of Gary Hall Jr. I think of when, him in his last Olympic trials, when he, when he showed up in a private jet, he said, meet me here. And we met him on the tarmac. We're like, what are we doing? Oh, we're at a tarmac. Fly comes in on a private jet. Didn't make the Olympic team in 2008, but it was a nice entrance. <laughs> nice entrance. Maybe not an ideal exit, but. <laughs> I guess that's how it goes. Um, so what are the, we've kind of, we've kind of touched on it, but you know, they, they, they made these two different meets and it's like, we've been talking about making the cuts faster for a while. And, and people have called for making the Olympic trials cuts faster. It's like, well, why not just speed up the cuts? Why not just make them the wave two cuts? Why even have a wave one meet if you're trying to be safe and have less people in a facility? I can think of a lot of reasons. Um, USA Swimming hasn't said what those reasons are. Uh, some of them may be legal reasons. There's the Ted Stevens Amateur Sports Act. And, in, you know, we're kind of awaiting USA Swimming's interpretation about how much that influenced that. They've kind of told us that they would be providing that. But there is some protection that you can't – you can only change the rules so much at the last minute. minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think there's still value to this. It's not clear if there's going to be a junior nationals or a U.S. open this summer. Um, you know, they've got the pool built. It's still a very fast pool. It's still a, it's still bright lights. It's still a, you know, it won't, I don't think it'll be as full for wave one, but there will still be, I would have to assume several thousand people in the building. So in, in some regard, I think there's still a, preparation impact for that younger wave of swimmers who might be 14, 15, 16 now, and might be looking at Paris or LA. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot of reasons, some hard reasons and some soft reasons to not just go to wave two. And, you know, I, what, what was interesting to me, um, there's a swimmer named Lauren Parrish from the university of Kansas who swam at the 2016 trials. I don't think she's qualified for, for this year's trial. She may be retired, but she tweeted um, sort of a different perspective. If, if they had done this in 2016, she would not have made the wave two cut. But she said, whenever they set a new standard in USA Swimming, people rise to that standard. You know, they set this, the, the cuts as they were expecting there to be 1,200 swimmers. And we were probably going to get 1,500 if, if, 
it hadn't, if all those meets in March of last year hadn't been canceled. And so I, I think that there's just, well, now, you know, a lot of people go to the trials and that's the goal. They've hit the cut and they kind of take their foot off the gas. We can see that because the numbers are like 85% of times don't beat seed time. So now you send those kids to the wave one meet and they both have a placement goal and they have a new time goal to chase. So we're talking the best of the best swimmers all of a sudden have another step goal between this meet and making the Olympic team where historically there's kind of not been a next step. And so I think there's some still some value in, in setting another target and giving people the best scenario you can remembering a lot of kids still aren't getting meets at home. Um, and so you give them the best scenario you can to chase that new goal. You know, this is an unfortunate situation, but it seems like an opportunity if you're USA swimming, because now you have the aqua zone for, was it five? What's, what's wave one? How many days is that? A week. It's a four day meet. It's a week before wave two. Right. And then the other one is, is the, is the full trials schedule that we're used to. So you have, you have this, this aqua zone set up for a longer period of time, but you, you do have the, Wave two, which is is going to be an elite meet. It's going to be a faster meet. It's going to be um, it's going to be it's, it feels like it's a more manageable meet, and and not a zoo. But uh, it makes me wonder if like this is the dry run and this is what we're going to see, uh, you know, in two thousand twenty four, twenty eight going forward. What what do you think, Brad? Do you think this is the new reality? <laughs> Well, we have to remember if they're going after bigger venues, then, you know, we said the tickets may not be an issue this year, but the tickets at a 40,000 seat venue probably become an issue again. Do you think, you know, in 24, they have wave one in, in Indy and then, or, you know, so, somewhere where it's like a little bit smaller or, and then wave two in wherever, or, you're doing the Johnny football money. <laughs> no, once they I build think, it, they're going to do it. I, I think, I think Braden's right. It, it, this, uh, it's, it's, this is, it, this is driven by economics and, uh, and, and I'm all, all for that. I, I like the idea of a bigger venue. The, uh, you know, what's funny is you mentioned that uh, if you set the cuts, athletes rise to the occasion. And I remember talking to Mike Unger, who's the chief operating officer at USA Swimming known Mike since I was a kid. He was the team manager when I was on the national team. The guy's been there forever. So I'm like, Mike, what the mm, is, is going on with so many participants? This is craziness. It's crazy. It's just, it, how is this manageable? Uh, the officials look stressed. It's, it's a lot. And his response was, was as, as um, authentic and honest as you could possibly be saying we really target these cuts aiming for 1200 swimmers and they just surprise us every time. It's an interesting point. And I think we, yeah, like you guys have said, we've seen it over and over. <laughs> you make the cuts however fast you want, but people are just going to rise to it and people are just going to get faster. Um, so we're about halfway through and I want to, I want to ask this, the, the other big question, which is, you know, we've seen USA Swimming's response to trying to make a safer, more effective Olympic trials in this COVID-19 pandemic. Is there, is there a better way to do it? 
in my mind, there's, there's really only three viable options. You know, there's, there's all kinds of ways you get real creative with six different prelim sites. And then everybody comes together. To me, there's three viable options. There's leaving it as it is, which, you know, I think when you have 8,000 people in the building and another 600, as long as you're managing those people in and out of the building may not be the end of the world. I think you do what they did. And I think you can split the meat by gender. Um, I, I've been going back and forth about whether I like what they've done or splitting the meat by gender more. I, there's parts of me that say splitting the meat by gender makes sense for, for economic reasons, because, you know, there's not going to be a lot of demand to televise the wave one wave, the wave one of the wave of the two wave meet. But if you have Olympians and a male meet and Olympians and a female meet, maybe you could pick up an extra week of television. That may also just be too complicated to pull off at this point. Um, I, to me, I don't know. I know there's this thing in USA swimming about doing them all together and, and the unity of the team and all that, but it's a weird year. And I, they used to do it separate. The meets haven't always been together. Um, and we won a lot of gold medals when we were doing it separately too. Um, so I, I don't know. Both have downsides. I can't decide which I think is better. Um, I, I think you would have, I think you would have had a lot less of the fallout um, that is coming back on USA swimming right now from the, 800 swimmers and their friends, family, and coaches who are now in wave one. Um, if you had split by gender, that doesn't always mean it's the right answer, but I think, I think, you know, somebody brought up, well, how do you decide who gets the extra week of preparation? You know, I don't know that the, the meat's already been moved back a week. So uh, I, I feel like that's, I know somebody's going to make an issue of that, but I don't, I don't think, we know that one is definitively better than the other, where you can declare, oh, they gave the men the advantage, they gave the women the advantage. Um, I think you just figure it out and you prepare. We have the best swim coaches in the world. They can figure out how to do a change a five week gap and do a six week gap. I, I you know, I I think that the um, th there's scheduling. The scheduling is the issue, and you could if you split it by gender, and then you had, you know. Who gets the shorter meet? Maybe maybe they're locked. The, the dates are locked in. And Do you think they couldn't have the done guys. two eight day meets? I, I I think that scheduling has been a nightmare behind the scenes. I th I think that that logistically behind the scenes no, negotiating with you know the Omaha has been that that has been very very challenging, and and trying to schedule this around uh, College World Series and 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 how this is going to work has been. I think this is. I think this has been very challenging. But I do think splitting the gender. I think they. I think they're locked into the dates. I think if you split the gender, you would be stuck in a situation where one gender gets the full meat, the long meat, and the other gets the truncated meat, and that's just unpalatable. You don't think we could go to two six-day meets and make it work? Well, the answer is we don't have. Uh, we don't have uh, Tim Henshey, Jill Shinfield, or or Mike Unger. On this podcast, we'll have to ask them. We'll have to do a follow-up. But I bet, I bet, I bet that it's a real simple answer. Usually, for anybody who doesn't know, when Mel says "I bet," it means he knows. <laughs> I think the dates were locked in, and I think that's what's going on. It's a, 
Um, you know, there's, there's something else that's going on in the background, which is that uh, swimming has been, USA Swimming has, has uh, benefited in terms of registration, in terms of, uh, of, of, uh, if, of it being a sport where if you're, if you're a woman, if you're a girl, you can achieve exactly what a guy can achieve. And, um, and that's, uh, that's something that they really, really like as well they should. And it's, uh, it's a big marketing point. Well, let me ask you this, Mal. Could they have split prelims, left finals the same, accomplished the same without moving to wave one? Or was that decision overrode by the possibility of selling extra tickets for, for a second meet? Because doing it that, splitting it, you don't sell any more tickets. Second meet tickets. I, I'm not saying that I know this, but I do think that having those extra days is really great for uh, ha- having more time that is prime time is, is great. You know, the funny thing is, as I've talked to a lot of our officials and some and officials that have been, you know, if you, if you know anything about swimming, you know that these officials that you take, that you take for granted when you're a kid, Sometimes these officials are there forever, for decades and decades. They know everything about you. They disqualified you in meets that you've forgotten about. And um, their, their response to this situation is, wow, we're throwing a whole lot of officials at these meets. I guess it's going to get our numbers up. I guess that gets us over the, over the edge. But, um, Yeah. Can you explain what you mean by that? I don't think I understand. They call, they're calling the, what I'm hearing from officials that have been around for 30 plus years is that, is that it's a little, they're like, yep, guess these kids are going to get to go to the test meet because we used to have a test meet. We had a, the, one of the, you know, during the Olympic year, we would have a, a final pro swim was the test meet. And back then it was the grand prix and it was, uh, so they're, they're, they're a little bit disappointed by that. That was my point. I meandered. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little confused by that point, but it's, it's okay. I think I know where he's going. I'm not sure he described it the way he meant to. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll just, we'll just mark it up to boomers. Okay. Okay. Boomer. So Mel, are you saying that they already had, those four days for wave one meet locked in as in was, I mean, was that the date that was that the test meet was going to be in the test, that test meet is different than the test meet Mel is talking about the, the four days were probably locked in as the, the test, the venue meet and Mel is referring to the test your training meet. and, And it was always, it was, more recently in Santa Clara, the Australians would all come over for it because they would be done with trials um, and it would be a it would be the biggest meet of the year that wasn't the U.S. Olympic trials or the Olympic Games. Mm. Two thousand eight, there was a Grand Prix, which Prosum was the Grand Prix. There was a Grand Prix in Omaha, and then they came back three weeks later and went to trials. So, like, I think Phelps went like a fifty point nine hundred meter butterfly at the test meet. Um, well, and then in two thousand in two thousand twelve, Kevin Cordes. That was when we first kind of learned what he was going to be because he showed up at the, the less elite test meet, the test meet, the test, the venue meet and broke a bunch of national age group records. And we know what he would did after that. 
And so, so we're, I think my guess would be at least that Mel's saying the dates were locked in test, the, the test, the venue meet was maybe those four days that they have for wave one now. And so Probably. they couldn't, maybe they weren't flexible anyway. Um, you know, we saw that, I mean, and to, to the USA, I think this is just preposterous, but you know, a lot of other countries select their Olympians without a trials, you know, Canada, even Canada did it um, recently with a number of their swimmers, you know, a lot of other countries did it. Like, do you think it would ever get to that point? Let's say COVID gets horrible in the u.s i mean it already is but you know would we ever get to that point um where maybe maybe just some of our olympians are selected and if so do you i mean how do you think that would work am i going are you going i'll go Uh, Um, yeah i would i'd like to hear from the smartest man in the room uh i don't know who that is but uh I don't know. I think, I think it's been proven that if you need to, you can, you can run an event pretty safely with X number, you know, 150, 200 athletes, whatever it is. I think there's a lot of steps that that can be taken before that. If things get that bad, they'll go, they'll go open air. They'll go athletes and and staff only. Um, I, I can't imagine them doing that. I'm sure that they have, have had that thought. I'm sure they have had, somebody has had a discussion over beers about what would happen if we did this. I just, I, and, and at that point, the Olympics wouldn't happen. I, you know, I think if, if it gets that bad here, it will get worse everywhere else. And the Olympics aren't going to happen because the, whatever would happen based on how the U S is now approaching the coronavirus after the election, whatever happened here that made it so bad that we would have to go to selecting a team would not be us specific. It would be global. It would be a new variant. It would be the vaccine. So uh, some new variant that the vaccine didn't work against. Mm-hmm. It would be worldwide and the Olympics would be done. Agreed. <laughs> no further insight. <laughs> no, I, my opinion is if you had to select an Olympic team, team USA could select their Olympic team, but we all know that the, the Olympic year is about the drama of seeing um, certain old icons fall and the new talent rise. And that's, um, and to me, it's like the, there's, you know, if that were the case, it really, it, it would, it, it would not be an Olympic year. The Olympic trials is just a death match and I, I, I want to see it, but um, I agree with Braden. I think if that's the, if, if, if any potential scenario he listed happened, the Olympics will be canceled it simple enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree personally, but you know, I'm interested to hear you guys' insights. I think we've covered trials. I have one more final question for me. The last five minutes. Is there anything I'm missing for this two wave trial process? Um, any point that you, either of you think is worth addressing? I have something to say here. I don't know about you guys, but my, did your phone blow up, Braden? My, my phone blew up with every swim parent you could possibly imagine and from some very very elite kids parents who are like these kids who are on uh, you know who just popped in the last year um it seems like this 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 news broke and suddenly i had to turn my phone off uh was that your experience it was um yeah you know it's 
there's a lot of angry people right now. Um, it's a, it's a tough time and <laughs> kids are getting disappointed left or left and right. And, and I think that some of it is people see the light at the end of the tunnel and they think maybe this is, this is making them feel like maybe that light is further away than they thought it was going to be. Um, it's, it's tough, man, especially because, especially these, these high school kids, this is the biggest thing that's happened to them in their lives. And, and they're probably not going to get sick. And it's, it's a lot of anger. I mean, it's, people are, people are real mad right now. We haven't heard a lot from, from the swimmers who are going to make the team, which I think is interesting. Um, I understand why they haven't because those, those swimmers who are mad are their, their audience for whatever, whatever they're promoting, whatever their sponsors are promoting. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can get some of those perspectives down the road and maybe, maybe after the fact, we can get some honest perspectives about whether they think, whether they felt safer doing it this way. Um, but so far it's been just a lot of anger from wave one families. We all get to know the elites and we've, we've been to this rodeo a few times and we hear from the elites and their parents behind the scenes and they seem really, it's the same thing. They all seem very frustrated when the meat is just so big. Um, so I feel like, I feel like the, the honest answer from some elites is that they're going to be a little bit relieved, uh, you know, forget safety, forget everything, just having a smaller footprint at the venue so that they can manage their personal stress, trying to, trying to put up their best times to make team USA. I, th I think that's really their honest reaction. I don't know if anyone would go on the record and say that. I think that's fascinating because again, Braden, like you were saying, it's, it's, it's all about weighing, you know, st statistics and probabilities. And it's like, sure. The wave one meet is not prelim semis finals, but really when you look at it, wave one swimmers actually get more splashes now, most likely because some of them will make a final. Whereas if they were at a combined trials, you swim a prelims race and that's it. Like that's your whole Olympic trials. And I, like I, I, one of the guys who I'm close with in the swimming community, he's a coach, I coach with him. And like, he was, he's upset about this because, because that spirit of, well, anyone can make the team. It isn't even gone, but it's like taken down a notch. And to, to me, it, it's like, yeah. So what it's, it's, a, we're in a global pandemic. Like we have to do something, but to a lot of people, like, like to you guys's point, it's just like, well, that's, that's not in the spirit of what this is. It's like the NCAA 99% of them are going to go pro and, and something else. Um, they still get to swim in the biggest fanciest pool that they will ever swim in, in their lives. They still get to make relationships with, swimmers from across the country they still get a lot of the upside um i think it would be awesome if usa swimming paraded some of their their prize ponies out there for for the wave one meet to uh, i don't know what you can do safely but you know just to have a presence um and and i hope they will there's there's a few things that we've asked them for details about that maybe they hadn't thought about yet like what ha how they're going to manage those those two swimmers per event that go to the second meet they haven't really thought about that yet. Um, so I hope as they, 
you know, as they now, they know what they're going to do to get their Olympic team picked, they can think of ways to make it as, as grand as they can for those wave one swimmers. What I like about this scenario is, is something that's going to make people hate me, but I, from, from an economic standpoint, traffic's going to freaking be bumping for both meets. It is. I'm, I, I, so I wonder, like, we know we're going to have full saturation for wave two. But like, how much, um, you know, as we're talking, I'm thinking, how big is wave one going to be in terms of, in terms of audience? Like, are we going to, is it going to be, will it be, will it be hundred percent? Will it be 90%? Where... It'll be interesting to see because all those, all those wave one swimmers still have teammates that want to see, see what they did. They all have families. I'm going to be exhausted. It's going to be a long two weeks, real long two I... weeks. I was wait, I was waiting for I was waiting for the complaint. I was waiting for the I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be dead. But uh, you know, I feel bad for you. Yeah, maybe you think somebody should just not publicize the results for the first meet and then we have an excuse to not cover it and I can sleep. <laughs> We're down to less than a minute. Uh again, Olympic trials have been split into two meets. Wave one, uh this is June 4th to June 7th, four-day prelims finals. Wave 2, June 13th to 20th. Typical prelims, semis, finals, Olympic trials fashion. F- to catch all the action in June and all the lead-up action, stay tuned to SwimSwam.com. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.